Very nice, thank you. The prayer that Jesus taught us in song and how beautiful it is. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. Jesus talked about, yeah, thank you. Jesus talked about uh, fathers. He talked about uh, children, family. And in Luke, uh, Luke 11, we read, the, we read that back a while ago. Jesus, he put the, uh, the full trinity into something that he was talking to earthly fathers about. And he said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? And there was, there was the full trinity right there. Jesus talking about his Father giving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we've been reading through this book of Acts, and if you're uh, visiting with us this morning, we've been reading through the Word of God from the start of the year. We want to read it together as a church and complete the entire Bible together in one year. So we've been ever endeavoring to do that, and we're about halfway through. So we've been in the book of Acts. And if you want to pick up with us, you can just look on the back of your bulletin, and you'll see our schedule for the week. And next week, when we're here on Sunday, the message will come from one of the portions of what we've been reading. So this morning, from the book of Acts... As you've been reading through it, and if you haven't, I'll just let you know some of the things that have stood out notably. And one of them is the Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity. As I said, Jesus picturing the entire Trinity, talking about the Father giving the gift of the Spirit to them that ask. Well, the, the Holy Spirit arrived in the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit's directing and interacting with believers is something that stands out in this great book of Acts. There's people like Paul and Peter and uh, Cornelius and Philip, all of whom we've read about, and we see the Holy Spirit interacting with them. And this morning, I want to talk about that, to look at an example of the Holy Spirit's leading and directing and ask can that be something that we can expect in this modern day? Have things changed? Or does the Holy Spirit still interact with us as he may have interacted? And as it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, does the Holy Spirit still direct as he did in all of these scriptural examples that we've been reading? And as we look at an example this morning, I give it this title. Two no's and a yes. The direction of the Holy Spirit. And it begins at the end of Acts chapter 15. Now, I know that was a little over a week ago where we finished Acts 15, but I want to read that as some background. So Acts 15, verses 36 to 41, give us a little background of where we're going this morning. And it reads this way. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord 
and see how they were doing. Now, uh, Paul said this to Barnabas because they had taken a journey. They had come back to the city of Antioch. And now they're thinking about taking another trip. So Paul is talking to Barnabas about that. Now, verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now in this little passage at the close of Acts 15, there's something to note here about the start of this second missionary journey that the Apostle Paul was going to take. Paul's journey from Antioch, it didn't begin on this great togetherness note. Yeah, we're all in this together. No, it started with a big fight. It started with division. And it was a division based on what Paul thought. His natural faculties. He did not think it wise to take John Mark. And why is that? Because the guy was a deserter. He had deserted them on the first journey when Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were traveling. There was a point, and you can read it earlier in the book of Acts, where John just said, I'm leaving, I gotta go. And we don't read anything about divine intervention, direction of the Holy Spirit. Paul did not have a dream. He did not have a vision that said, stay away from John Mark. He's going to cause you trouble. There's no word from the Lord. And what's the point? God has given us certain natural abilities. He's given us natural faculties, our wisdom, coupled with our experiences, the ability to reason. So based on his experience... Paul reasoned, John Mark would not be a good traveling companion. This guy deserts. Why would I want to go with him again? And he did not think it wise to take him. Instead, after this big blowout with Barnabas, Paul split from Barnabas. He separated from Barnabas. And he selected Silas. And the church then prayed the grace of the Lord over them, sent them on their way. And off they went. They went north. Barnabas and John Mark took a boat to Cyprus, basically uh, due west. But Paul went via land. He went off west into Cilicia, we read, which uh, was a Roman province. And he went there to encourage and to strengthen the disciples and the churches. Well, then he goes west. He goes into the uh, province of Galatia, they visited the churches in the cities of uh, Derby and Lystra. And there they met Timothy. And Timothy joined then John or uh, Paul and Silas, and they traveled together. So this, this was the opening of Acts 16 that explains some of this. And I want to pick up the account at Acts 16, verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit 
from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is an interesting passage here. There's one interesting change in this passage. It goes from sort of the third person to a, to a we, a collective, and most believe this is where Luke comes into the story as well. If you read the first 15 chapters of Acts that we isn't there. Suddenly it's, now we are traveling, and Luke's the author of Acts, so now we've got Paul, and we have Silas, and Timothy, and Luke. There's a group, and after uh, making this decision, now not to take John Mark because he didn't think it wise, because he used his own mind, there's something interesting too that occurs, and it's that he, he hears from the Holy Spirit, now, he's been probably traveling in a logical fashion, just based on his experience. He had planted some churches, he and Barnabas, and he's following a logical path to Derby, Lystra, these places where uh, he had visited. And now suddenly something's happened. And I've no doubt he's been praying too. Lord, what next? And that seems to be Paul's way. We read about it in his letters. He says, pray without ceasing. I believe he was a man who has practiced prayer. Lord, what next? Where to? But we don't have anything recorded to indicate they were receiving any direction at all until this passage we just read. It seems city to city, and now they're stopped. Suddenly the Holy Spirit says, stop, don't go there. And that seems pretty interesting. They're just making decisions based on roads, based on churches that they've planted, and then a closed door. They want to continue following a road. No, they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. An interesting Direction of the Holy Spirit, stop, don't go there. Then it seems they must have just followed the border between these two provinces, Asia and Galatia, and they went north. If you consult a map, this province of Bithynia was up to the north. So they're thinking, well, maybe we'll just go straight into that province. But the door closed again. Again, clear direction by the Spirit of the living God they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, we read. And that's a great line. That's a great passage because it connects the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. This is the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit given by God. So what did Paul and his companions do? Well, they continued west. Probably again following the border, it says they went to the city called Troas. It was a port town. And while they were waiting there during a night, Paul gets this vision. Again, clear direction from the Holy Spirit. He gets a vision of a man from Macedonia begging him, come on over. 
we need some help. And so after he receives this vision and likely talks to the group, because it says the group concluded. Now the group comes to a conclusion. This is the leading of the Holy Spirit. God has called us to go to Macedonia, which was just a short jaunt over the sea uh, to Europe. So instead of preaching in these Roman provinces of Asia and Bithynia, they took a short little boat trip across the Aegean Sea, and they began to evangelize in a new continent. So this is the story of two no's and a yes, two doors closed and an open door. But it's also an account of discerning the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and does that happen for us today? Does the Holy Spirit direct us as Paul and his companions were directed A lot of people discuss this and say, no, that's not for today. That was only for the apostles. But I want to explore this. Let's look at this a little deeper. First of all, again, I want to reiterate, Paul was using his mind too. He was using his natural God-given faculties. He didn't think it wise to take the one man and then following a logical course But we also read and we know for a fact he was led by the Holy Spirit. And throughout Scripture, that's the picture that is presented. It isn't a constant, the the Holy Spirit telling a person exactly what to do every moment of their day. But there's our natural and there's our spiritual. God made us with a body and a mind and a spirit. And we see from Abraham and Joseph and Moses and people like David and Peter and Paul and others, there were times when God directed them clearly and times when they had to make a decision. And just a decision based on what God had given them in their natural world. And sometimes they made bad decisions. Abraham took matters into his own hands so that he could have a child. Joseph He was rebuked for the way that he told his dreams. Moses, he murdered a man. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Bad decisions. Peter denied Christ. Paul, we read in Romans 7, he did what he hated to do. All of these made bad decisions, but they also made good. And at times they received very clear direction from the Holy Spirit. So, Life as a Christian and a believer, people of faith and the true and the living God, it's this balance of natural and spiritual. It's natural and at times supernatural. There's a balance and a blend. God, again, he gave us both a body and a spirit. And in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned dozens of times. And many times it's with detailed direction, the direction, the leading of the Holy Spirit. To Peter, but not just to the apostles like Peter and Paul, but there's Ananias and Cornelius and Agabus and others who received clear direction from the Holy Spirit. These people who experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, they experienced it in a very tangible way and they received direction for their life. Can we experience the same thing? Can we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit? like that. And I believe we can. I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us 
and direct us, and very clearly at times. But again, Scripture's clear that it's not always this ongoing, the Spirit of God telling you with such clarity, audibly, the way to go. There are times we're going to have to make a decision. And then the question often arises, well, was that the will of God? Am I in the will of God? God, is, are you directing this? Holy Spirit, are you in this at all? Is the Holy Spirit here? And if so, where? Let's talk about that. Where is the Holy Spirit? How can we receive direction from the Spirit when it's not with this, this tangible clarity? I'd like to talk about some ways. One is the Word of God. The Word of God, that's primary. We have a full-blown manual for life in the Word of God, which was inspired by the Holy Spirit. All right, and that is primary for providing us direction to direct us ethically, morally, spiritually. And that should be adequate for a huge chunk of life's decisions. The Word tells us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, isn't that directional? Of course it is. If you're asking, where's the Holy Spirit? Where's my direction? Get into God's word. And as you're in the word of God, it may seem like, well, I don't get it. I'm not, this, is, this isn't any big uh, flash in my mind. I'm not seeing anything. This is purely an academic experience. I'm just reading. Sometimes that's the way it feels. Sometimes that's the way it is. But if you believe as I do that the Holy Spirit has been given to help us, he is our helper, he can help us understand what we're reading. It does not have to be a purely academic experience. Ask the Holy Spirit for his help. Lord, I'm reading this, I don't understand it. Pour into me, help me, enlighten me, illuminate me, God. And I believe God will give you that. Jesus said to his disciples that he was sending the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. That's John uh, chapter 14. He's with you, he'll be in you. It's an amazing thing. The Lord Jesus condescended. He came down and he took on the form of a human. He became flesh. And that's amazing. But it's just as amazing that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God would come to live in us. I mean, that is another form of just the Lord come emptying himself, condescending that he would that he would fill us. That's amazing. And Jesus said that. And he went on to say that the Holy Spirit will help you. He will testify of me, of Jesus, he said. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. John 15 and John 16. If he's going to guide us into all truth and we have the truth in the word of God, ask him, Lord, guide me. God, I need your help. Guide me in this, your word. So get into his word. It's primary, and it's his inspired word. A second way 
to receive direction from the Holy Spirit, it's right here. It's in the midst of the church. One way that we see the Spirit of the living God providing direction in the book of Acts is through the church. In Acts chapter 13, there's a description of a group of people in the church at Antioch. Acts 13 opens, and it tells us all about them. They're prophets and teachers. It tells us their names. And then in verse number 2, we read this in Acts 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit interacted with the church. And through the leaders of the church gave direction. Set apart Paul and Barnabas. Another example, Acts chapter 15. It opens with Paul and Barnabas making their way to the church in Jerusalem. They had completed this first traveling mission of theirs. And there was questions about keeping the Jewish customs. When a Gentile becomes a believer, should we circumcise them? Should we tell them all the food rules of the Jews? What should we do? How should that work? Should we integrate the laws of Judaism with Christianity? So they went to the church of Jerusalem to talk about it. They were greeted by the elders and the apostles of the church in Jerusalem, and they had a meeting, a council meeting, and a conclusion was reached. They came to conclude that they should not put all this burden on the new believers, those from the Gentile nations who were coming to Christ. So they wrote a letter. They wrote a letter to these believers in Antioch, uh, in Syria, in Cilicia. And this is what it says in Acts 15. This is verse 28 and 29. This is their part of their letter. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, sacrificed idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Well, here's a second example. In both of these examples, there's direction by the Holy Spirit through the church. The leaders of the church are asking God, and they're receiving direction for the church and for the people. Set apart for us Barnabas and Saul. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Don't do this. But the rest of it, we're not going to put on you. So the Spirit speaks through our time together. If you're, if you're looking for direction, if you need the Spirit's leading and guiding, you can't despise the assembly. You need to come and be part of an assembly here. You know, before I stand up here and talk to you every Sunday morning, my constant prayer is, Lord, what do you have? What would you have for the people of Bethesda Christian Church? It's a constant prayer of mine. I do not want to come up here and speak my own mind. I want what the Holy Spirit has for this church, for you. And so often, I've walked off this platform and I've thought, ah, that was a lackluster message. That just, I, I don't know if I even believed it. That was terrible. <laughs> and invariably on those days, someone, whether it's a face-to-face, -face, whether it's an email, a text message, I will hear from someone and they'll say, I needed that today. The Spirit of God was speaking through you today. And I say, thank you, Lord, you answered my prayer. Though 
I may feel like it was, ah, it was just a bomb. God uses our time together to speak to our hearts. And I say, thank you, Lord. You've answered my prayer and you've given something to your people. So the Holy Spirit is directing us through his word, through the church. And a third way, he directs us in life circumstances. In Acts chapter 17, when you read that this past week, you see a series of circumstances where Paul's persecuted and he moves on. He goes from Thessalonica to Berea to Athens and then finally he ends up in Corinth. In all of these cities, what occurs? He finds opportunities to preach Jesus. He preaches Jesus and Jesus re resurrected. Now was God in all of that? Paul testifies that God was in all of it. Later on, you're gonna read in Acts 26, Paul's on trial. And what is his testimony? In Acts 26, he says, God has helped me to this very day so that I stand here and testify to small and great alike. He's talking about his persecution and he says, God's helped me. Paul saw the direction. He saw the purpose of the Holy Spirit putting him in places of difficulty of persecution he had to get rushed out of Thessalonica to uh, Berea he had to get rushed out of Berea because the Jews came chasing after him and he ended up in Athens but in all of it he was preaching the word of God and people were getting converted he saw the direction and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in it even in persecution and then in 1 Corinthians in chapter 16 he wrote this in that letter but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Again, in persecution, in opposition, he's seeing the purpose of Almighty God. He said, a great door is opened. No, this is not words of just his own personal wisdom. He sees God has opened a door for him, even in this troubling situation where he's being opposed. On this circumstance of being in Ephesus, the door was open to build the kingdom. We can see the purpose of God in our circumstances often when we look back. So believe that he's in it even sometimes when we're not picking up his direction in the midst of trials and tribulation. God is in it. Number four, dreams and visions. We can't discount this. Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. Now, the spirit of the living God uses dreams and visions to direct, to impress something upon our heart, and we shouldn't discount it. Peter preached it in Acts ch chapter 2. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Well, do we believe it or not? God can still use those ways, and he still does. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, Peter preached. And then Peter himself had a vision. He had a vision of a great sheet coming down. We've talked about it. Paul had this vision of the man from Macedonia. You're going to read later as we go through the week. Paul had an angelic vision before a, a shipwreck. God's working through it all. Do, do, do people in this church still have visions? Yes, they do. 
We have Hope Church. They're going to start their, their meetings here next Sunday, their first kickoff next Sunday in our auditorium at 11.30. No, I've had more than one person come to me and say this, I've had a vision of people coming into this church. Different people. And here it's happening. Now that has been more than one person. They saw this vision. They had this vision. They didn't understand it. They didn't know what it meant. But now they're saying to me, I believe it's coming to pass. God showing people certain things even to the extent where they say, I'm not given to having visions all the time, but I don't know why God gave me this. And here I see it happening. In Luke uh, chapter 4, we see another way that uh, God speaks to us beyond, beyond visions. Uh, it's our spirit. It's God impressing something on our spirit. The Holy Spirit, he directs through the word and through the church and even in life circumstances with clarity and dreams and visions, but he can also impress something just directly on our spirit. In Luke chapter 24, there was a man named Cleopas. He was walking with his friend and Jesus was walking right with him. They didn't recognize him. But he said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. Has God ever put something in your heart that it burned? That you felt it and you felt compelled? In Acts 20, it says this, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Paul was being compelled. What does that mean? There was an impression put on him. This is where I should be going. He said, I'm being compelled by the Spirit. Again, even though I'm gonna feel some persecution, Sometimes we might feel a burning in our heart. We're being compelled when the Spirit is moving with, within us. And sometimes we can't even explain it. But we know often with certainty it's the Spirit of God. How many remember the dresser story that Pastor Julie told a couple of Easter's ago? She was compelled to give my dresser away. She didn't understand it. I didn't necessarily understand it. But we saw in short order God's clear direction that he had directed that act in what occurred when she gave that dresser away and my sister-in-law who cleaned out another dresser after she received my dresser. She found a letter a letter that was uh, very necessary for her. So God, sometimes he puts 
this uh, compelling in our hearts. What I'm preaching today, what I preach every time I get up here, sometimes I'm compelled. I feel this, I feel the spirit of God. This is the, what should be talked about. Sometimes I, I, Wow, a couple of years ago, leading into Christmas, about the Magi from the East. And it kept rolling around in me. This idea that their star that they were following, it was on, and then it was off again. And when it came back on, they, they had such joy. I don't know why, but I kept going back to that. Their star was leading, it was bright, and then it seemed dim. This past Easter, the title was Why Mary? I remember coming to that weeks before Easter and saying, ah, that's just a, that's why Mary? And yet, I couldn't turn away from it. There, there are times where I know that I feel like I'm getting in the way. I gave a message on doctrine. I was like, that's going to be boring. That's just, really, doctrine? Is anybody going to receive that? But I kept getting compelled. You should talk about this. You should talk about doctrine. And even today, I read the five chapters of Acts that we were to read last week. I read them over and over again. Over and over. With one purpose. So that I didn't have to talk about the beginning of Acts 16. I... I thought, that's just a hard message, God. People, they want the direction of the Holy Spirit. There's no real formula to it. It's tough to get up and just say, here's what you do. There's something else here. There's umpteen messages in these five chapters. So over and over I went. And every time I get pulled back to that line, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. All right, okay, God, I'll, I'll talk about that. I'll get up in front of the people of Bethesda because it seems you're compelling this. You know, that, the, that, that this, was the, this was the word from the Spirit to Paul and then the door closed for his companions and then he had a vision and the door opened. The Spirit was leading and directing them. So back to the, act, the, the beginning of Acts 16. This is what the Holy Spirit wants for today. That's what he wanted you to hear. It, and he, uh, he works and he directs us. And if you feel like, oh, no, I'm just as a, at a loss for all of that. And I feel like, no, there's, it's all natural. I, don't, I have to follow only my own thoughts. Then get into his word. Get into his word. He will direct you through it. Continue to be a part of the church gathering. He will direct you here. And sometimes it may not just be the word that's spoken from the pulpit. Maybe you're in a class before we gather here for our worship service. And the Lord says something through that teacher. You know, because they prepare, they pray, they look for 
God's direction and what they should bring to a class. And you may receive it there in the gathering of God's people. It may be through circumstance, you know, a life issue, where you say, ah, oh, yes, yes, the spirit is, is there. It could be clear in a vision, a dream. That might be something that's just being impressed upon our own spirits. But I want to add this. Surround it all in prayer. Surround it all, encompass it in prayer. Jesus said, how much more will the Father give the Spirit to them who ask? Seek God, seek his direction. And it might come through any one of these ways that I've discussed this morning, but there are many others. Seek him in prayer. And I want to just give a cautionary note. There are times when we question, yeah, is this God? Is it God? Is it God? Is it me? That's okay. I mean, that's okay. From the outset, I've said, we're natural creatures. God has given us this body and these natural faculties to make a decision while we continue to seek him and and look for his direction, we live in the natural. So sometimes you just have to make a decision and you have to go, you have to move in it. But we are natural and we're also spiritual. God, he, he may give you that direction, that confirmation later. There are times though that we know, we know, we know. We know for sure. We absolutely have certainty. Yes, this is what God wants. And then we can be hard-hearted. We can say no. Ananias knew the leading of the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say to him? You lied to the Holy Spirit. His wife, Sapphira, she knew the leading of the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say to her? You and your husband conspired against the Holy Spirit. They knew. Stephen, in his message, before he was stoned, he said to the Jews, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, when he's so real and he's so present, he can be resisted. And I, I've resisted him at times. We can get in the way. And when we know, when it's clear, don't resist. Put it down. When the Holy Spirit is so real and so present, let's not resist the Holy Spirit. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he may say, stop. We, if we know it, stop. Sometimes he may say, stop again. Then he says, go. Be attentive to his word. Be faithful in gathering to the church. See his guidance, see his invisible hand in life circumstances. Don't discount a dream, a vision. Be attuned to your own spirit and surround it all in prayer. Surround it all in prayer. And I believe you'll receive direction from the Holy Spirit. He's alive. He's not dead. Jesus sent him to help us. Let's stand as we close. And I'll just say if... You know, if you've been wondering or asking or if you need some direction, there's 
no shame in it. There is no reason to think less of yourself as a Christian. If you need God's direction, you can ask him. And you can come right down here this morning. You can kneel at one of these altars. You can say, God, I've been questioning. I don't, I need your direction. I need your guidance. I'm a little confused about it. Could you clear it up? Could you help me? Maybe God will plant something in your heart. Perhaps he'll give you some encouraging word from another believer. God works through all of this. We have seen it in his scripture. So don't think it odd or strange. We're natural and we're spiritual. We're natural and we're supernatural. You want a touch of the supernatural this morning? You want a little bit of uh, God's direction? You know, he'll meet you here at these altars. I believe he'll meet you right at your seat if you don't want to move out. But someone will join you here and they'll pray with you if you so desire. We have people, who are, we have workers here who will come and pray with you. Where one can chase a thousand to 10,000. You can ask together, put your faith together, bind your hearts together and say, God, help me, direct me. I need this. So if you need it and you want to come, come take a moment at these altars. If you need it and you don't want to come, stay at your seat, but God will meet you. And I believe he'll, he'll, he'll meet you right here. Our workers, if you would come, come on down here. Some of our, our altar workers and uh, our deacons, our elders of the church, they'll, they'll pray with you. And these are, these are people who seek God's presence. They discern the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer, if you want that direction, Take a minute right now and come forward. God will meet you. He will help you. Do you believe it? Do you need it? Do you desire it? I know I do. I know I do. It's my constant prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, tell me what you'd have for these people here. Lord, direct me. And I wish every time I would get a clear, exacting word. I don't. But often, God will respond in a variety of ways, whether it's just an impression, whether it's a word from a brother or sister. Come on and come on down and get prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your holy presence, Lord, in the sanctuary this morning. God, I just pray your Holy Spirit to fall upon this sanctuary. God, move among the hearts of the people here in this church. Lord, they seek you. Lord, they want your direction. God, you have not abandoned us. Lord, you haven't turned off from uh, after the first centuries uh, and, and the work of the apostles. No, your spirit is alive. It ever liveth to intercede on our behalf. Lord, your spirit walks with us. Lord, we trust that your spirit is in us. Lord, not only are you with us, but you're in us. And God, for those in this sanctuary that need a word, that need direction, that need guidance, Lord, that want a confirmation, that need your truth. God, I pray right now, Lord, you would work on their hearts. Lord, let them know and see the truth. 
Lord, let them believe in their hearts, Lord, that you are with them. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to just fall upon this sanctuary right now. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. You're worthy, you're holy, you're righteous. There is none like you, there is none beside you. Oh, Father in heaven, send your spirit more. Walk among these aisles, Holy Spirit. Walk among the hearts of your people. Touch hearts and lives, Lord. Touch minds with direction, Lord. Give people the confidence that they know that they know that they know with certainty that they are walking with you, that you are indeed directing their path. Come thou fount of every blessing. Do a great work amongst the people here in our church. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need more of you. We need more of you. We need more of you, Father. We need more of your spirit. Heavenly Father, how much more will you give your spirit to them that ask? God, there are people asking this morning. Be gracious to them. God, there are people who's, who, who are looking to know, is, are you in this? God, give them the confidence that you are in it, that you are directing their path. Lord, be the light unto their feet and the lamp unto their path. God, we pray. God, we pray. We raise it up to you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great and your many blessings. We trust you. We trust you. Lord, bless now your people, we pray. Bless them, God, as everyone takes leave of this sanctuary to celebrate fathers, perhaps, Lord, to continue on with the day. Go before each one. Go behind each one. Lord, and show them somehow, some way to this, this day, this week, if there's any that are doubtful, any that are questioning, God, give them a tangible, tangible touch of your living presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask it in that powerful and that mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.